0: Welcome back to Don't Call It A Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. Today, starting a new series. We're starting The Lies of Locke Lamora today. We are, we've finished about a third of it, but I have a rant that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. And this, okay, so this rant is not fantasy book related so i'm going to try to keep it short okay. okay okay here's my rant dan when i go to a restaurant and there's a soda machine mm-hmm. these soda machines need to have an individual water dispenser because i don't want one 100th of pink lemonade in my water in your water I'm sick of it, okay? First of all, who's still getting soda? (laughs) Yeah, it's 2019, guys. It's 2019. (laughs) Okay, that's the part of this rant that's not gonna go over well with anyone, but like, stop drinking soda, guys. Okay, what do we do? We all know
1: it's just sugar water, and it's so (laughs) expensive. Are you kidding me? The restaurant, you know how much it costs the restaurant to give you soda? 30 cents. You know how much you're paying for a soda to add on to your meal? Four dollars. Stop. Stop. Okay, so yeah, exactly. In
0: my mind, there should be like seven water dispensers, and
1: maybe a maybe a maybe a lemonade dispenser. There should be a trough. There should be a trough you can go over to, and with a with a bucket, they should give you a reusable bucket. You know, you get your bucket from the front. I I like the water bucket, please. They give you the bucket. You fill it up at the trough, and then you have. I'm
0: think. I'm thinking more of a well, actually. How do you feel about a well?
1: Well, but then only one person can use it at a time. If you have a trough, oh, fair point. Fair point. Everybody's getting in on that, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Luke. But this, dude, this I'm... brings me back to the point. You, I, I this happens so often, where it's it's always it's always connected to the lemonade or the pink lemonade.
1: Okay, Luke. There's I I have three points for this. Okay. The first, it's either always connected to the pink lemonade and so always is just like a hint of lemonade in there that I did I didn't want or there's two of them and the other one is connected to the sprite nozzle and it also <laughs> says water well it might say soda but if you're not looking closely and you put your cup under that and hit the button you're getting sparkling water it's just like it's just it's like lacroix without any fruit in it is what's coming out of that tap. It's like club soda, and you're like, "Damn it! I don't think I'm allowed to even do that. I think this is technically <laughs> soda, so I just stole from this business." But you were asking for it, guys. Yeah. Okay. I... Luke, the other. Oh, I am. I'm more angry about this now than you are. The fact that you brought <laughs> this up. The other thing about it is the dispenser is always either one of those little metal levers that you have to pull down, and like half the time it covers up the water dispenser so your water is like trickling over this like lever you know mineralizing it with whatever fungi and bacteria have been growing on this metal lever for 40 years or the water dispensers that they just installed near campus at the university of minnesota at all the restaurants they all switched over to these little gray buttons that you push but the buttons stick. And so you'll push the button in and get oh. like, and the water still barely trickles out, but it doesn't stop when you take your finger off. Oh, the. so button. You have to time it. Exactly. So you push it just once really briefly and then hope <laughs> that you've got enough water because you're not pushing that button again. Cause it'll, <laughs> it's going to drain the Lake Superior.
0: <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <sighs> I, I'm glad you're on board with, I'm, okay. I knew you were going to be on board with this. Um, but I'm, I'm glad I'm glad this is a team effort and just th- listen this is a this is a healthy conscious podcast. yeah, so we're trying to help know, guys start start drinking water more.
1: And I was thinking about this today too. I, I was literally thinking about this exact thing today and I was frustrated about the fact that the water comes out so slowly and it doesn't seem like any employee is maintaining the button to make sure it doesn't stick. And the reason is because you're stealing. From the business essentially like the business is paying for water and they have to give it to you for free I think there's a law somewhere that's like yeah if somebody eats in your restaurant you have to offer them water uh otherwise they'll just go in the bathroom and steal from your toilet so you're gonna get it taken (laughs) somewhere but but I think the reason that they don't do anything about it is because they don't make any money on it but if we get enough people drinking just water and the water takes so long to come out of the dispenser all the people who are getting soda have to wait longer. So if Mm. we make it super inconvenient for people getting soda, then the businesses will have to fix their water dispenser. We'll get the trough. So everyone, this is a call to action. Take your time getting water at the soda fountain. Don't feel pressured because you didn't pay for it. Get your water. Enjoy it. Here's
0: Okay, really quickly. We're not going to talk about this for long. Let me throw in another thought combos at restaurants that have like it's like maybe you'll get you'll get a a combo that's like a burger or chicken tenders or something like that i'm picturing a very trashy restaurant fries and a drink yeah i i i like i want to side with my food right but i don't want to do full combo because if i get a drink it's a i'm soda. just gonna get water
1: right Right. Well,
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for the drink. But you have to pay require.
1: for the soda. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Give me, give me a different option. Give me, give me a burger, fries, and a little, a little side salad instead of instead of my drink. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be getting that combo every day, instead of just the main. De- I'm gonna give you more money.
1: Or like a dessert, maybe a little cookie or something. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not much healthier than a soda, but. I mean, probably a little healthier than a soda if we're being real right now. Yeah. Okay. Another thing. Just, okay, real quick, real quick. One other thing. When you're getting water, maybe you just bring up a big whole water bottle that you have in your backpack for it. Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah. So I'm in the interest of slowing down the soda line so they fix the water dispenser. Fill up every single water device you have with you, carry a Mm -hmm. camelback around Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to exclusively fill up at the Chipotle water fountain so that they fix the damn button chipotle fix the damn button please i know you're listening we're calling you specifically out chipotle uh come on the show we'll talk about it chipotle i just all of chipotle i don't i'm sure they have a mascot right they've got to probably uh okay Um, okay. good good
0: little rant we kept it we kept it kind of short i'm gonna count that i'm gonna count that as short
1: all right let's talk about this book
0: yes okay so we're i said a third of the way earlier we stopped at the end of part one which is not quite a third but it was a pretty good stopping point so end of part one i think i think we're about to start chapter four if that also helps um but so dan first
1: thoughts on the book i'm freaking loving this book luke this i'm very excited the city sounds super cool with the like glowing glass structures that are everywhere and the fact that the people have occupied it from a previous civilization that made all this cool stuff everywhere Locke sounds really cool and I'm very excited for his shenanigans the heist I'm very into I'm just very excited about this book so far
0: yeah I was I was reading this and first of all I I totally agree with you I'm I think this book so far has been great and I'm very, I'm very sucked in, but I, I was, as I was reading it, I was like, this is a Dan book because I, I think our listeners probably at this point know what kind of books I like more than, or what kind of books I like and what kind of books you like. Yeah. And this, I don't get me wrong, I really
1: like this book, but this is definitely a Dan book. I'm so excited to talk about this book because yeah, there we'll, we'll get into it as we're going along and I'll... I'll point out the parts that I specifically was so excited about, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we should start kind of at the beginning of our reading. Okay. Uh, Luke, I'm trying, so I'm trying to decide are our th- thief maker and father chains. Good guys. Are they, are they good? Um,
0: this is actually a, a decent question. I, okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Maker is not a good guy, but
1: you could argue that he's making these kids life better. Okay, let's hold on. Let's talk about Father Chains first, because I think that's less ambiguous. Father Chains, we haven't seen him do anything that is bad. He hasn't. Right. Yeah. You know, he hasn't really like tortured kids or murdered any of them. So I think Father Chains. Yeah, he seems lock lock lucked out by getting with Father Chains for sure yeah because because father chains is
0: even even the bad aspects of father chains where you know he's a a thief but he's i mean he's this is the robin hood thing he's stealing from the people that are super rich anyway
1: yeah yeah thief maker okay i get why thief maker is more complicated but like these kids were going to have a pretty shitty time <laughs> if Thiefmaker didn't snatch him up. Okay, yes.
0: I, so, I think Thiefmaker is improving these kids' lives.
1: Yes. I think that's true. Yes.
0: But he's still not a good guy.
1: Okay. Why?
0: Why is he doing it? I mean, my indication is he's just this is essentially his job like he gets money from doing
1: this you know it's just a nine to five everybody's got their (laughs) job mine is beating kids (laughs) making them steal shit for me
0: because like he's not he's not trying to attain power or anything no that's
1: true but but he also doesn't i don't think he has to be as protective of these kids as he is He, well, maybe he does. So, yeah, maybe he is perfectly self-serving and he has to be kind of a brutal gang leader in order to maintain this kind of kingdom that he's set up under this hill, this kind of gang that he's set up. And I guess that is mentioned quite a few times that he has to act that way, otherwise it'll all collapse. But sometimes the way he talks to the kids when they first get under Shades Hill and tells them that if anybody even kind of looks at them the wrong way, he'll kill them. I don't know. I kind of was like, "Oh, thief maker."
0: You're like, "Oh, You're like, oh thief
1: maker." <laughs> sure. Um
0: the the issue for me is that that's kind of a little erased when he like cuts the throats of kids that mm. have done something that endangers him.
1: Yeah, he does kill kids, which yeah, it doesn't it's not a good look. That's not a good right. look. Also, Father Chains blames Locke for that.
0: <laughs> it's a little brutal, yes. I'm I'm okay. I think I'm coming down pretty strong on the idea that Father Chains is a good guy. Yeah, I'm I'm for sure there. Yeah. And like good guy used loosely, as in like, I like him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I I don't I and I'm not I'm not liking him like how someone might like the bad guy in a book because it's a cool bad guy. I'm liking him because, I don't know, he's he doesn't seem like a bad guy and he's interesting. Yeah. So my thoughts on this are he's, blaming, he's putting this blame on Locke as more of a training
1: exercise. Yeah, 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 definitely.
0: Rather than like to put the
1: blame on Locke so that Locke <laughs> feels bad (laughs) but i mean he still told a six-year-old kid that he got seven people murdered and it's basically his fault not not thief maker school not thief maker who literally cut their throats (laughs)
0: listen thief maker is going to do what thief maker is going to do
1: yeah it's up to this six-year-old to know how the world works (laughs) oh yeah yeah
0: that's a fair point but okay but i i will say i think he's doing it to to teach him for for Locke's own benefit, essentially. Yeah.
1: yeah, to teach him his actions have consequences. I think, yeah, he he does mention that a few times.
0: Did did you have a f- first impression when you when we heard about Father Chains? Not 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 like very first, but okay, I'll I'll tell you what happened for me. Yeah. So when we hear a little bit more about Father Chains, like I think he's talking to Locke when he's a kid or something, mm-hmm. and or when he first gets Locke in mm-hmm. his possession. Mm-hmm. And he's, he does this thing where he's, you know, chained up to the, to the uh, church and he's blind and people are giving him money. And Locke learns later that he's faking it, like he's famous, but he's faking it. And he gets a lot of money from this and he's talking about it. And he's like, yeah, I go out there and preach, but like these idiots give me money, even though I'm not really a priest. And at this point, I didn't know that he was like a really intense, like a really cool thief i thought that was how he made money so i was like so so you're just a priest
1: (laughs) (laughs) luke we have to we have to be very careful here
0: okay yeah i'm not saying priests don't believe in their doctrine or whatever and they're all faking everything right i'm just saying he my my first indication was he made money by preaching and and like chaining himself to this to this church yeah it, like he was lying about it sure but that was that that's how you made money you were just that's just a priest
1: right like the only falsehood that he had was was saying to lock yeah i don't believe any of this shit <laughs> while well, he's chained yeah. to the church and had his, his eyes plucked out but he was secretly like this is all bullshit
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so okay obviously we learned later that none like it's completely different. So that point doesn't really stand, but that's, that was just my first impression of him.
1: Yeah, I i don't know. I kind of anticipated there had to be more because why would you do any of that if you, there, there's easier ways to make money. <laughs> right. Okay, Before we
0: before we continue singing the praises of this book, I'm going to do a slight criticism, very small Ooh, criticism. Hit me with it. There's a thing in this book, and I think it happens in a lot of other books too, where the way dialogue is written is, and this is just word choice. I'll give you an example. This is early on, and it's, it's with Locke when he's a kid. It's a quote. Then where, said Locke with only a slight catch in his voice, do I start? That's, that's a long line to put between...
1: The things that he said, you know what I mean? Do yeah, you- it breaks up the sentence a lot. From, then where? Although, what's the what's the thing that breaks up the sentence though? Uh, he, it says okay. So it's then where is the quote, and then said Locke with only a slight catch in his voice, and then do I start? I mean, we. I might be going the opposite direction as you on this because when really? you read that, you pause for a minute to read the middle part which to me sounds like what it would be to hear somebody with a catch in there like they would pause for a second after then where okay you know what i'm saying sure. so it's almost what mimicking saying. what the dialogue itself is doing i will say there were other times in this book that i experienced the same thing as you but i think in this particular instance you're bringing up it kind of works i think you you maybe didn't choose i mean the example that would convince me but there were definitely a few times when I was reading a sentence and I mispronounced a word because the word that came after that was way down on the line. I don't remember which yeah, word yeah. it was. But I agree. There there have been some issues with the dialogue sometimes.
0: Okay, that's pretty much my only qualm with this book so far.
1: Okay. One I have, qualm. I have a I have another qualm. Okay. So the city is built on basically a canal a canal system. Kind Mm of, I'm picturing it similar to Venice, Italy. And as old Locke and the Gentleman Bastards are going to their first, what they call a touch with the dawn, they pass prisoners on this barge that are going from house to house, collecting the contents of the chamber pots from all the houses. Do we think... Do we think that they were actually concerned about not throwing shit in the river at this time? Or do we think they just wanted to give the prisoners the worst possible job? And so (laughs) they invented this job that they didn't think was necessary. So prisoners would have to go house to house collecting people's shit. I, I will say during this scene, I think I
0: remember it talking about the prisoners were basically below these houses going yeah. by and trying to catch it. Yeah. And people would like deliberately miss so that they could dump shit on them, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it almost does seem like it's just an intentional, I don't know, kind of punishment on the prisoners that isn't actually doing anything.
1: Like, I can imagine the city council meeting where they came up with this new public works project and they were all sitting around the table, kind of bored, and... One of them was like, one of them said, hey, so the crime's been up recently. We need to figure out a way to discourage criminals. Is there anything we could make them do that would make crime seem less appealing? And everyone's sitting there like, well, no, I don't think so. Do we have any gross jobs that we need done? No, no. Everyone just like kind of pees and shits into the water. (laughs) Wait a minute. The guy who's in charge of the prisoner says, hold the phone. What if they didn't shit into the water? (laughs) Everyone, like, gasps for a second. And then one of them stands up and says, that's genius. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I can see that scene happening. Because nobody was... They didn't do this out of a concern for the water. They did this out of a desire to punish prisoners, for sure. Mm -hmm. Because they, like, murder prisoners in the water anyway yeah well, and it I think Locke at one point mentions that the river smells like piss, yeah, and so they're definitely just are they separating their piss? Do they have a special like this is for the piss, this is the piss trough, it goes right into the river, <laughs> oh, save the shit though, that's for the prisoners, <laughs> probably, yeah, I could see it. <laughs> I mean, I would take that job over the fighting a giant squid monster, but I still yeah
0: fighting the fighting a giant squid monster where you're you're oh, they they're swimming and they have like a a little like butter knife. Yeah, <laughs> I was something. I
1: was picturing a switchblade. Yeah.
0: And then okay, the other one I th- there's there's the other game after that where the wolf the sharks people are battling a shark, but that one's not actually prisoners. That's more of a show of skill.
1: Yeah, it's like a fighting, essentially.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me let me go to something real small. Okay. There's a couple parts early on where they talk about fish poisoners. Yeah, like I think one part is he's talking about the seeds of the apples. Yep. And he's like, don't eat those. That's what they make fish poison. There's another one too, but I don't remember exactly what it is. Why, Why do you need fish poisoners? What
1: purpose does that serve?
0: Yeah, this is what I thought of. Like, in what circumstance would you be poisoning fish? Like, okay. As a full-time job for, like, a well-known strategy of poisoning fish.
1: When would you ever do this? Like, poisoning rats makes perfect sense. They get into your house. Oh, Luke, hold on. What if the basements of all of these houses are full of water? Okay. And they keep... I mean... They keep... I don't know what they would keep in the water... I still don't see a reason to poison the fish. I don't know either, Luke. And it's not like you can control fish poison. If you put fish poison in the water, it's killing all the fish. You're not selectively targeting a certain fish. You're murdering everything in the water. And then the fish float up and they're full of poison and you can't eat them anyway. There's no hunting benefit. (sighs) I don't know, Luke. And it's not like fish get into your fountain like if you have a fountain in your backyard you don't have to go out and buy fish poison to get all the fish that keep showing up in your fountain
0: i'm i'm hoping that sometime down the road in this book we find out why fish are like this huge nuisance <laughs> for some purpose but i don't i mean we could come up with ridiculous ideas all day and i wouldn't be surprised if it's something ridiculous later on but i i, can't. I don't i don't know if we should i i
1: I couldn't conceive of this when I read it as well. I could not understand what a fish poisoner's job would be and who would hire them. (laughs) Maybe we'll we'll find out. Okay. I'd like to talk about the scam that Locke is running. Okay. So, the scam that Locke and the Gentleman Bastards are running is essentially a, a Nigerian prince scam where they're telling the Don they have a bunch of money tied up in investments, but they, they can't get it out unless they have a little initial investment from the Don. And if he gives them this little initial investment, then he'll get billions and billions of dollars in returns. So, mm-hmm. it's, so mm-hmm. it's a Nigerian prince scam for sure. But when Locke is trying to convince the Don to do this, he brings as a gift to him, two casks of wine. The first is a 502 vintage that is super rare and was pretty expensive for them to get. And the second is a fake that hasn't been aged seven years and is basically just cheap gutter wine that Locke has mixed into a barrel. But before that, he talks about how hard it was to get the really expensive legit wine why are you asking okay first of all it's
0: it's well i don't know if it's brandy or it's oh you're right it's whiskey or something
1: it's not wine i think it is brandy yeah um but are you so are you asking why they did this i'm asking are you asking why is why are any of them legit uh (laughs) why why does he have one that is actually a real, very expensive cask of brandy that he's going to... Now, at first, when I was thinking about this, I it was obvious why the first one was legit. And that was because it had to be convincing. Because if he tried it later on while they were doing this whole elaborate scheme, then he would be suspicious of Locke. But, and I'm going to jump ahead just for a minute, just a touch when they reveal to him that it was all fake anyway and that they're investigating themselves, at that point, it doesn't matter if it's real or not. You want him to think that you're a fake at that point. Yeah. This is... Okay, that's a very good
0: point. This is my theory, and that's just that the cask itself is very difficult to fake. Like... There's de- okay. There's definitely like a seal or something on there. I imagine that's not that hard to fake, considering they talked about how hard it was to fake the little badge for the secret police. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they could do that, but it's talked about. It's a very specific type of wood. So my my thoughts are that the the ability to fake that is even more difficult than actually getting it I don't know if that's necessarily true the other argument that that brings up is like how much is this adding to the scheme
1: <laughs> right I mean I get that they're hedging, kind of hedging their bets they're trying to take as little risk as possible to seem as legit as possible so I get that but there are, they already know that they're gonna f- tell him it's all fake anyway and they want him to believe them that this merchant that they've created is fake so i don't it just seemed like it just seemed way too expensive for a prop that you probably right. could have made
0: i i also could see it being more of a uh vanity slash arrogance thing on their part mm. where they're like i want they at this point they're more into like the dope trickster things that they're pulling rather than actually getting the money because they're obviously super rich anyway right so they're just they're just trying to do cool stuff i think
1: (laughs) honestly i i think that's it they because he also kind of mentions that they had to trick some other guy to getting it for as cheap as they did and it was legit so i think they probably just saw the opportunity to get a real one and they thought oh this is going to be freaking sweet we'll trick this guy to this real one and then use it for this other scam gonna be dope
0: yeah that's that's what i'm gonna go with okay. no i'm i'm for sure there i agree okay uh okay first i'm gonna i'm gonna keep us on the scam good or more just like the main plot line
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. i want to talk about that for i have a lot of other stuff about that so
0: okay here's what i i want to say we it seems like the scam is gonna go off without a hitch Right. Like, I don't there doesn't the way they've set it up is it doesn't seem like there's going to be an issue, but there's got to be a conflict in this book. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess it's not the scam itself. You think that's kind of so I (laughs) so so I want I'm thinking we just on the fly should come should try to figure out what. The conflict in this book is going to oh, be. Oh, Luke.
1: I mean, do we want to, I'll, I'll tell you what it's going to be. I don't want to ruin it for our listeners though. Cause I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you, do you want me to tell you? I haven't read, I have not read this book before and I have not read past part one, but I know what the conflict is. Okay. Tell me, tell me what you think. Okay. I mean, sorry, listeners skip two minutes because I'm about to just blow this whole thing wide open. So the conflict is between Locke and the woman that he mentions that he was in love with for a while and that they left and are now living somewhere else this is the woman that was also living with father chains when he showed up and she was off doing some other kind of quest when he showed up and we get a little hint of the woman at the end but we see the woman other places too and the other places we see the woman are when they're doing the first deal they talk about a shadow that flutters overhead that's this woman who is also trained to be a super proficient thief and we see the shadow flutter overhead again at the end of the last chapter so that whoever this thing is they're keeping tabs on the gentleman bastards and this current scam that's going on and at first when the what the midnighters showed up i mm-hmm. thought the midnighters were that flutter but then as soon as right. it was apparent that Locke was the Midnighters, that flutter, that black thing that flew over them had to be something else. And actually, I think it's a crow, but I think the crow is reporting to, or a raven, it's reporting to the woman who Locke has previously had some interactions with. I mean, that's it. That's the conflict. And
0: I th- I think that's that's a
1: pretty good guess. Yeah. I mean, did you, I, did I you actually, have a guess?
0: I, so, okay, I intentionally did not come up with a guess so that we could do it on the fly kind of thing <laughs> so that it would be stupid. Um, <laughs> my, okay. I, I, let me just say, I think that's a good guess. I think that's the most likely thing that I would think of. I actually, until you said that, I kind of forgot about the little shadow. Mm-hmm. Um But I do think you're right that the, the hint of the woman that they keep talking about is in some way, important. I think that this, this whole buildup of the heist and everything, when we get later in the book, is going to be completely irrelevant. <laughs> like, I think the whole buildup is going to be, and then we're going to get to the end conflict, and it's going to be one of those, one of those, like, stories where you're just like, how did we get
1: here? This is what it's going to be. It's building it up to be Ocean's Eleven, where they're getting Mm -hmm. this heist or maybe the Italian job where they're prepping for this heist. And in the rest of the book, it's just going to be hitch where one of the twins is trying to get locked back together (laughs) with the woman that he still is in love with. And so it's just going to turn into hitch for the last. It's
0: it's, it turns into a rom-com for the second half. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Okay. And the, yeah, there is no conflict with the scam that they're going to pull off that goes off perfectly and that just fades into the background of this rom-com that starts happening in the book (laughs) yeah forget my thing that's definitely what's gonna happen yeah
0: okay i like that one better yeah let's go with that
1: uh speaking of the midnighters that scene is what did it for me yeah (laughs) that scene when when they show up into the dawn study and they do that that classic detective flip where they show him the badge and then flip it closed and it's in like a leather it's in a leather detective badge case i was so sold i was so on board with it i bought the i bought i bought that so quick
0: like as in you
1: you thought that they were the actual midnighters no as in i thought this is so funny oh okay sure (laughs) and As I was reading it, I had the thought it would be freaking incredible if this was Locke and that other dude scamming him again. And then within that chapter, you get the next part that's them getting ready for it. And as soon as it cut back to them and Locke was like, we're not done yet, I lost my mind. (laughs) I was so freaking excited. Yeah, that's fair. That's honestly one of the coolest... And I really liked that it happened on the same chapter because I was I was already starting to put the pieces together of that. It seemed it seemed a little bit too perfect. And the detective badge flip was a little bit theatrical. So I was definitely starting to kind of put it together. But the fact that they just quickly revealed, oh, yeah, this is Locke and they're Mm -hmm. they're doing the next step in the plan so good i was so on board as soon as it happened i love it yeah yeah that was really cool because this is
0: almost one of those so far at least has been one of those books where the main character just like kills it in every aspect almost which are very
1: satisfying to read well i'm assuming when you say kills it in every aspect you also mean all those children he got killed
0: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i My guess is that he's there's gonna be some mistakes they make down the road, um but so far no. And I will say this little part is also kind of brings in to the thought that they're doing they're adding a bunch of stuff to this heist just because it's fun because I think Locke is the only one that was pushing for this. And because I don't think they needed to do it. No, no, not at all. Otherwise, right. the heist is going perfectly fine. D- right? Don't get me. I think this makes it easier. It makes the heist better, but it also makes the heist much, much cooler. And the other guys are talking, uh, and they're saying things like, "You know, I we don't need to do this. Like, we'll do it, but it's stupid. <laughs> like, it's probably not going to work." And then when they work, when it works, the guys. Is after it I think I forget exactly what he says but it's something like I can't believe that freaking work he's like kind of mad about it but in a cool way you know yeah so I think I think this is this is what they do they just they do heists for like really cool heists make them as crazy as possible just because they can
1: I, I kept waiting at the end of that scene I was so excited for Locke to turn to the guy and say get ready for the Duke to show up and for them, for them to dress up as the Duke and go back to the Don and say, look, bud, those two Midnighters who showed up at your door, they're not in my employ. <laughs> just throw, an- throw another twist into it. And just to keep going up the levels to see how how many times you could get this idiot of a Don to believe this person that he has never met before is telling him the truth.
0: That'd be, that'd be a good story. I'd like to hear that
1: i would freaking yeah first the duke would show up and then his mom would show up his dead mom who he goes to pray for (laughs) his mom shows up uh i so i will say this we were talking
0: about or i think you said you thought it was really funny at, at that point um i will say this book has a lot of pretty funny moments uh obviously their banter is super funny but there's one part that is a good example of this where there's this story that they tell about they need some old trick they pulled they need to get past a guard dog and they pull out this beef scented candle that's also a knockout candle and it like knocks out cats and dogs keep coming and it knocks them all out and then the wind keeps shifting and they have to keep running around it so that they don't get knocked out and then one of the guys is like yeah that wasn't one of our finest moments I don't think I actually laughed out loud at that, but I was kind of chuckling, and that doesn't really happen for me in books that often. So I appreciate that this is... It's not it's not a book that's main thing is to be funny, but it's definitely a significant part of it,
1: and I'm I'm kind of digging it. Yeah. The Gentleman Bastards seem really cool and genuinely like people who I would want to spend time with. <laughs> yeah. They... I mean, I would probably feel super self-conscious the whole time because their banter is so witty and great. The, yeah. The, okay. This is another
0: point I was going to say. This is a thing that a lot of TV shows and books too do where the, the banter is a little bit too witty. As in, like, no one talks like this, you know? Right. Right. Which I think probably a lot of people have problems with. And I was going to ask you if you have problems with that.
1: I, I don't only because I don't want to read a book of people haphazardly bumbling their way through a conversation. I mean, maybe you would love to listen to a podcast like that. I I know I would, but I, whenever I start feeling like that, like that, I just remind myself that writers spent probably two or three days trying to figure out how to make these characters sound cool. And they got to do it in the comfort of a room with like four, with four other people to ask, does this sound cool?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I
1: agree with you. Actually, I was think
0: I was kind of expecting you to maybe go the other way where you thought it might take you out of the story. But for me, and this is probably a theme for me, I don't care. I think it's very interesting. I I think it's cool. (laughs) I think it's funny. (laughs) I I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I try to just not hold myself to the standard of witty dialogue that people have days to think about
0: right I (laughs) this is I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a callback to one of our previous books that we did when you so when you mentioned that these authors have time to write this and then they can check it against other people I don't think
1: Patrick Rothfuss did for Kingkiller you mean when he and Denna when uh Quoth and Denna were having their conversation
0: yeah no. Because, okay. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this again because we ranted about it <laughs> throughout all of those episodes. But that's a time when he should have
1: brought it to some friends and be like, "Is this kind of is this kind of cringy?" But I don't think he did. <laughs> well, no. I think he just brought it to all of his twelve-year-old friends, and they said, "Yes, this is very good." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good point. Okay. No more King Killer. <laughs> um. Speak. So, can we have? just one responsible adult in this book can we have can we have one adult whose immediate response to a child isn't hey kid you want to do shots (laughs) are you talking about the the i
0: forget his name the like head thief head crime lord
1: guy the kata kara kara i think it's kappa kappa so the Kappa is the last example that we saw of it, but it doesn't start with the Kappa. Father Chains, as soon as he gets Locke, gets him hammered. Locke is <laughs> six Locke is six years old. And Father Chains says, Oh, we probably shouldn't have given him that much wine after they just kept toasting him. They they basically hazed him upon joining they hazed a six year old. Hazing is bad, however old you are, but hazing a six year old should be a very serious criminal offense.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. You, you say, like, they were talking about, the, they're like, maybe we shouldn't
1: have given him this much. You shouldn't have given him any. E. Yes. This is exactly my point. And then <laughs> he knows exactly what's going to happen when he takes him to Kappa the next day, and he still gets him hammered the night before and then they go and on the way there he's so hungover he can't walk so they put him on a goat and they walk him to this guy to go get him just hammered out of his mind again father chains and kappa you're being and kappa's daughter is like nine right She's taking shots and drinking beer and that kind of thing right kappa says no more no more shots just beer what how about a juice yeah or water
0: you know or, we talked we we talked about this at or the beginning. freaking water i don't know.
1: just kappa just seems like a bad parent father chains does not seem like a very good parent well i'll say like father chains you know he's got a big day tomorrow yeah you know don't i mean maybe father chains is trying to build up a tolerance in this six-year-old a day before i i i think you'll wait Ah, that doesn't seem responsible
0: (laughs) there okay i didn't actually write this down but i want to talk about it now that i think about it i I like to cook a little bit Mm. so and you know i'll occasionally watch like a little cooking show or something I'll, i'll watch chopped you know and they'll have they'll give them some nonsense ingredients and the people will come up with some way to combine these ingredients to make it tasty yeah so when father chains tells these guys to like he's like give me some sausages and pears i was like what (laughs) sausages and pears and then later we we get it we get a little bit more Uh uh-huh and they're describing i don't know what he's talking about with this cooking style i don't know
1: what it is you mean the like the the stovetop that you add water to or what do you mean this cooking style yeah yeah, basically that yeah I was picturing it's basically a chemical reaction that's activated by water and it just releases a bunch of heat yeah and so you have this I guess. big like, you have this big essentially table of it could be like if you think of what a hand warmer does a hand warmer when you open it it activates with the oxygen in the air and starts heating up but it doesn't get that hot And so Mm -hmm. you can also do that same thing with water and give off a bunch of heat that way. It seemed really inconvenient of a way to cook. Right. So it it seemed like one of those really fancy things
0: that makes the food taste real good, but it's just like not worth it for every meal. (laughs) So my point basically is I'm going to be keeping my eye out for these food combinations Cause I don't think I'm gonna try sausage and pears because I don't think I can pull it off, but I don't know. These guys sound like they can cook, and I might I might be taking notes. Mm.
1: Well, they did have the the soup that they ate mm-hmm. while they were on the boat watching the squid rip those dudes apart, which was right. It was like a tomato bisque with shrimp in it, and Locke mentioned not well either the greatest choice of dish to be served while you watched men float in a bloody pool or the worst dish to eat while you watched men float in a bloody pool but yeah i don't i think a lot of books are that way especially now we we said we weren't going to talk about game of thrones as much but game of thrones is another example where the dishes seem very good and like things that i would potentially want to try cooking yeah Something else that I think... Okay, before I say this, this is going to be a very hot take. Okay. In this world, they have gentled animals. Mm -hmm. Like horses to... Essentially, they gentle animals in order to make them way more docile and predictable. And the animals can still... They essentially have their same strength and capabilities. They just don't have any initiative. So you have to direct them for everything and the way that they gentle animals in this world is kind of fantastical it's it's not quite real but we we did this with people for a long time we it's essentially a lobotomy and we've perfected it for people right and my my take is why do why didn't we do this with animals at any point in our history i mean
0: I guess, okay, so obviously we stopped, we didn't do, we didn't continue lobotomy because it's like a war crime.
1: (laughs) It's, It's really, really bad. Yeah.
0: I'm, like, obviously crimes against animals are less and less frowned upon, I guess, but I feel like it's still, that's still too significant of a. I don't know what the word is, but that's still too negative for people to get over, I'm,
1: I'm imagining. Well, but, I mean, people get over how we treat animals all the time and don't care about it.
0: Right. I don't know. So, okay, so the argument is if if you were to... If, if one of your friends, like, had a horse or something like that, and you were to, like... And he's talking about it all the time, and you were to come over, and you're like, hey, we'll just... We're going to walk over here. We've got a bunch of bags to carry. I'll throw it on my horse. It'll be easy. You're like, cool. And you go see the horse and it's just standing there and is acting like what these horses are. I'm I feel like I would be pretty uncomfortable,
1: but I'm not sure. I I agree. But Luke, do you know what would make me more uncomfortable? If when I went to throw my bags on this horse, it took a big bite out of my arm. (laughs) If it chomped down on my forearm. And didn't let go and rolled me around in the dirt for a little while. (laughs) That would make me a little uncomfortable. So, yeah. Okay. I'll take the lobotomized horse, please. (laughs) Okay, fair point. I... Okay,
0: so when did we... When did we perfect... I don't know if we perfected it, but when did we do
1: lobotomies? Up until, like, the 1970s. Okay, so
0: my other thought is we just didn't need that kind of, like... We just
1: didn't need it. For animals?
0: Damn it, that falls apart too.
1: Why does that fall apart, Luke? You got you to gotta talk us through it.
0: Well, I mean, I'm picturing other uses of animals other than like we could do that to anim- like cows or something.
1: Yeah. Any, It seems like any animal we could do this to. We could do this to a human being who have, from what we understand, the most complicated brain of any animal on the planet. And we could do, we could do this to that. We can figure out how to do this to a cow, horse, chicken. We could do this to any animal. Dan,
0: are
1: we we coming out in support of animal lobotomies? All right. Here's the argument for it, Luke. Okay. You know how in major cities, there are those horses that draw carriages on the highway sometimes? (laughs) Yeah. That horse hates that job. Right. That horse does not want to walk around old town sacramento shitting in a bag while moped people on segways drive past honking at it with two people who just got married in the back that horse does not want to be there lobotomize that horse (laughs) horse don't care
0: okay yeah i mean at, at some point you almost gotta wonder if the lobotomy is actually the nice thing to do
1: now you're coming around luke maybe maybe we get Peta on board with this i i think we could honestly (laughs) okay here's another example chickens you keep chickens people always talk about how you need to keep them free range let them run around don't keep them in sheds without sunlight for 24 hours it's bad for them they they feel sad all the time you know what an actual a chicken probably doesn't love that but throw that chicken's head in like a microwave kind of contraption for 30 seconds, put that on defrost, that chicken don't care where it's living.
0: Okay, fair enough. I think it comes down to, at this point, it comes down to economic viability.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because
0: you've got to wonder how much is one of these procedures costing
1: per chicken. I see. So now we're trying to figure out how much suffering for a chicken is worth it to do this procedure.
0: Right. Because, I mean, if it's like thousand dollars per chicken yeah. maybe maybe that's fine for i I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's economically viable for a bigger place that's having like thousands of chickens that's true
1: okay I think chickens are a bad example <laughs> okay but <laughs> I don't know like <laughs> no okay
0: I see your point though i i I think you're this, this was a very hot take that well I'm trying to think is of something now, is now seeming more reasonable because the fact that I'm against this due to the economic <laughs> n- like not viability is weird. <laughs> and I don't think I'm comfortable <laughs> with that. But again, uh, but we're in, uh, we're in the trust tree. This is
1: That's right. That's right. You need to be in the trust tree. I, at first I was also thinking it could have, oh my, Luke, holy shit. Here's, here's why we should lobotomize animals. If I have a lion in the zoo, there's a pretty high chance. No, 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 no. That's not true. There's a, there is a chance that one day that lion gets out and eats people. So you have to, if you have a lion in the zoo, you have to have it behind a really high wall. It's usually asleep 90% of the time. And people have to look at it from really far away. But if you lobotomize that lion in the zoo, Timmy, hey, Timmy, you want to get on the lion? (laughs) Come on, hop on. That zoo is making so much money from people taking pictures, riding lions, eight people on the back of a giraffe. You lobotomize those zoo animals, Luke. 100% safe, interactive. Kids get this great appreciation for nature that they didn't have before luke uh i for some reason i'm feeling
0: more uncomfortable with that than like lobotomizing chickens and like leaving them in a cage
1: okay right but weird it's okay to leave a lion in a cage for its whole life and let it think right no i okay I,
0: i i agree that it's weird that i'm feeling so uncomfortable about that but i don't
1: i don't i don't know why dude jurassic park would have been a completely different movie if they'd have done this to the dinos
0: oh that's valid
1: yeah, I would be on board with
0: lobotomizing dinos. Yeah, yeah. Okay, to I- any listeners, send us your uh, your like what what aspects or, or what scenarios would be best to lobotomize animals? Because I'm I'm curious now. Yeah, feel to...
1: feel free to tweet at us at DC at ABC and at PETA. I think they're just at PETA would be really good. <laughs>
0: Be sure to include them. They would love it. Uh, let's see. What's our what's our hashtag going to be, Luke? <laughs> uh, I mean, we could go simple, but I don't think that's what we do here. Hashtag labomination? Ooh. Hashtag not a labomination.
1: Okay, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to spell that, but... <laughs> but tweet at us. The first person who spells it gets to spell it, so... Right,
0: yeah. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think that was a, very, <laughs> that was a good little discussion that uh, I did not think we were going to have.
1: Yeah. Coming, coming from a vegetarian, uh, I, I'd say <laughs> this is a good strategy. <laughs> okay.
0: I'm going to do a quick, I'm going to do a quick rant slash vent. Fucking interludes, man. I'm sick of them. I'm, we're only a third of the way through this book. And they haven't been that bad so far, but like, I don't, I'm, I'm hearing about this cool heist. I'm hearing about these, these things that grown up Locke is doing and end of a chapter. I'm like, okay, what's next? What's their next contact with this guy going to be? Boom. Young Locke's has a hangover for a while. God damn it. I'm not interested in this right now. I I okay. I can see how it, it's it's useful for like character building and that kind of thing. And I I'm sh- probably going to say like maybe it makes the book better. But I don't want to say that because I get frustrated every t- it's like it's like when you're reading a book with multiple perspectives and it switches to a lame character. You're like, "I don't want to he- I it's a Catlin do chapter." Do I skip is what you're saying? It, yeah, it's a Catlin chapter. And I'm not the kind of person that does this, and I don't I, I don't anymore have this thought, but there used to be a part of me in things like this where I was like, do I skip it? <sighs> but uh, okay, I'm not I'm not skipping it to be clear. No,
1: you can't skip but, it. Luke, I love these chapters. I'm not with you at all you, on this. Really. Okay. I love the fact that we're bouncing back and forth. I love the mystery of who Locke is and what Locke's whole deal is and how Locke became Locke. And I'm loving the heist. I'm loving both of these stories, and I can't get enough of this book right now. The other thing that I'm super excited for is the magic that we've just heard about at the end of one of these interludes. There's magic still that you can enchant things with. Now, oh, right. we've only seen it with this really minor tooth trick that the Kappa plays on Locke and apparently everybody else, which kind of gross, dude. <laughs> But we have seen magic acknowledged for the first time in this world that they have some control over, which right. I'm very excited for.
0: I was going to I was going to bring this up where this book has little kind of little magical elements on the side. Like there's the there's the light up glass stuff. There's the alchemical properties or whatever that I can't tell if it's magic or not, but i i I think I like that it's currently on the edges because, well, I don't have a reason, but um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it seems like maybe we'll get more on that too,
1: yeah, so I'm very excited about that we're We're heading into part two we'll mm-hmm. I think we're gonna try and get to about two thirds of the way, so it'll be a three part series. If there's a good stopping point, like at the end of part four or at the end of part two, it seems like we're about there. We'll probably stop there. Um, But, I mean, Luke, I'll be the first to say it. This episode had some hot takes.
0: Yeah, I think so. Maybe next episode we'll act more like dumb
1: nerds.